does. Yeah, he's so trusting. Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin'. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. If you are aware, yeah, you know, we, we, we have a special song Saturday, and I rest assure you that it's not Bill Bright's theme song, that it's not Mike Handy's theme song, and the next voice you hear, she normally giggles. I, maybe she mutes herself. <laughs> Wait, are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> oh, you thought I'd. Abandoned ship. I, I was waiting for the introduction, and I was going to say, it's me. Okay, well, we'll do that. Here she is. Yes. Yeah. Normally every Saturday, the, the Rock of Gibraltar, <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night, the, uh, what's she, the bun of the sandwich. <laughs> the We've only got an hour and a half. <laughs> It's a short show tonight. <laughs> here she is. I'll, I'll just, I'll just wait. It's here, okay. Here, I'm having a good time. Here she is, the adorable one, the the the, the mouse of the south, the the songbird oh, of, yes. of Florida, the 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 the, the 
incomparable. The exile of, of New Jersey. The, uh, um, the, the uh, the gal, the gal from New York who doesn't have no New York accent. The the lady, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the lady of of yesterday USA. The one who smiles and say <laughs> hi to everybody. Here she is. Here she is. And yeah. she and she's not on Facebook. And her no. email is floridawriter at hotmail dot com. Here she is. Yes. And her phone number tonight, only tonight, and whenever she hung yesterday USA, is 714-545-2071. Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Phew. Say goodnight, Walden. <laughs> well, I figured we, I figured we have <laughs> well, thank only you. 90 minutes to get in. I figured we could do five minutes of, uh, you know, build And up. you did. Yeah. And yeah, I feel so honored when you do that. That's I'm really getting to like that song even better. Uh, That's a very nice song. Thank you for finding it. You know, this is I, Patricia. Yeah. In case you didn't, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the only one in the family. That I, I'm rest assured there's no song called Walden out there. I, I'm not one with, with Larry or John or Bill or Mike. Uh-huh. So no. you see, you're the you're the special one in the family. You have your own song. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Seven one four. Perry Como did it just for me. He did. He 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 looked at the calendar. He said, "I'm going to record this now, and in forty years, Patricia will have this discovered it, and she'll use it for her <laughs> theme song." Oh my goodness, he was a special person, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're yours tonight, everybody. That's right. Bill is sicker than a dog. He, as he said, I'm sick. I'm a sick at, sick as a horse. And Mike Handy has company in the house. So uh, Mike just informed Bill just a few minutes ago. And I wasn't planning to be on the show. I was busy playing cribbage with Mom. We just had roast beef for dinner with mashed potatoes. Leftovers. Uh. Leftovers. Green beans. Uh. And uh, butterscotch pudding with whipped cream. Well, no, cool up, cool up. Um, so that was that was the partake of the meal. Yes, mom did Ooh. clean house today. Yeah, she cleaned her bedroom <laughs> and the living room. This is every day. <laughs> <laughs> Had the vacuum cleaner going. You make it sound so special, <laughs> and every day is special with your mom. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. She you never stand still because you'll get waxed. <laughs> Zoom. Her birthday will be in a few weeks. She'll be turning 77 in September 29th. So well, we're not going to tell anybody that, are we? Oh, yes, we are. She's we just did. It just did. You know, I think <laughs> I think both my parents feel very blessed to still be alive and doing well at, at their age, concerning both, you know, my dad lost his dad when he was 44. Yeah. And my mom lost her dad when she was 51 and her mom was 70. So I think... Both are amazed that they're still here. So, so we should look at every day is a birthday. You know, I mean, it, it is. It's mm-hmm. a gift. It's a gift. We, we don't know how much time we have. And so whatever time is allowed to us, we do the best we can with it for every day that we have. And that's sort of what we're here for. And yep. 
You know what my thoughts are. If you wake up, it's a great day. It's a great day. Sort of like Pooh Bear. Uh, what, uh, okay, what, what's it? give me a poo, a poo thought of the day. Oh, oh, gee, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pooh Bear, just a minute. There is one that has um, Piglet in it. Okay. Let me see. It has to do with breakfast. <laughs> Hope you enjoy. Memorize. Hope you enjoyed Patricia's special guest to our Saturday, Elva Green, the daughter oh, of Eddie gosh. Green. And she has a book signing coming up in November in L.A. at Book Vermillion, November mm-hmm. 18th. So please, if you're in the L.A. area, consider going up and picking up a book. We love to support authors. You know, that's sort of a nice thing to do. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, I'm rest sure most authors are not driving around in limousines and living in 30, <laughs> 30 house mansions. I'm, I'm pretty rest assured that that's not the general requirement of an author. It is not <laughs> common. I like to say everything you've ever heard about a starving writer is true. <laughs> well, it is. Honest to goodness, it is. So why do writers be writers? Because it's the right thing. Is it because it's in them? It's in their heart, kind of thing. I, I think it, it's in their heart. So many people have said, find something that you really like to do mm-hmm. and make a job out of it. Right. Because you'll have a good time every time you go to work. Right. And I'm paraphrasing. I didn't say that as well as the people. I wish I could quote. But it's true. Even if you have to give up half of your apartment, which I may have to do pretty <laughs> soon, but um, even at that, it's just a really good thing to have in life. You like doing radio. I love doing radio. I love... You love it. I, I you know... Unfortunately, I, your paycheck doesn't no, match it. But no, but oh, the, the, the derivative offsprings, you know, I mean, I had, you know, my, my dad thought... When I went blind, if I were going to make anything out of it, well, it was going to be between my two ears. Mm-hmm. So that's why he trained me in the uh, financial business stock brokering, you know, in the whole financial industry. Uh, but that didn't wind up working out. Warren Buffett and I share one thing in common. Do you have any idea what that is? One thing in common. Yes. Humility. Very good. But besides that. But not the right answer. Yeah. No, I don't know. Either, what both, is it? Bo- yeah. Both of us are not very good salesmen. We don't, we, you know, we, neither of us can sell anything, basically. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not the greatest guy because I just don't necessarily believe in some of the things that some companies like to believe in. So I won't bother with them. And Warren Buffett could pick stocks but didn't know how to sell them. And so I, 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 I understand that, you know. But, um, but shoot, I, I would never have planned on having a whole career in entertainment and so wound up doing a lot of work for Kitty Cowan and the Sinatra family. So, I mean, I, I, I was grateful for that. So, something I love you to do. You did good. So. You did good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't find Winnie the Pooh's breakfast. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, gee. 
family, we are here live. I know, I know all you are probably watching Monday Night Football. At <gasps> 714 oh, The only Rams are playing the 49ers up in San Francisco. That just kicked off, so I imagine everybody tuned in. So, you know. Maybe there's nobody out there. If nobody's, if nobody's listening, give us a call. If you're not listening, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> that is as close to my internet problem as you've gotten today. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. If not, Patricia has a a a, a, a life in Patricia, a daily a daily saga. Hello, caller. Thank you for giving us a call. Yeah, this is John in Maryland. John, <gasps> I John thought you might Maryland. be the Thank man. you for being out there. We thought we were all by ourselves. No, I don't, I don't watch football anymore. It's too political. Oh, bless your little heart. Thank you. <laughs> it's too political, and I don't want anything to do with it. So We're, we're uh, getting some feedback here. I think that's John's phone, isn't that? John will get that done. Uh, he's got I, his radio on I, in the back. I, I, I think he had your radio on in the background, but I think he just turned that down. No, I... I had the I had the computer on. Ah, see. Uh-huh. Okay. There. So you fixed it. So how are you? I'm pretty good. I can't say that I'm real good, but I'm pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Did you come with a story tonight? Well, I can I, I told you I was going to tell you about one behind the iron curtain back. Yeah. In the 70s. And that's what I want to hear. I was hoping you would bring it. Yeah, well, I that was my first trip overseas was in 1976. Okay. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, my aunt was a, she's still alive too, but she was at the time, she was an elementary school principal. Wow. Uh-huh. And she, and she wanted, she had to, wanted to know if I wanted to go to Austria. And I said, Sure. And she says, it won't cost you anything. She'll pay for everything. Wow. Well, she, she was a, uh, never married. She's an uh, old maid school teacher, she, as she likes to be called. And and it was uh, sponsored by uh, the, the Baltimore County Teachers Association, which is their union. Right. It was the, it was Easter vacation. So she said it was, but it was, she says, it's only for a week. And I said, well, that's fine. So we we went over there, and this other couple went with us. And I think I told you before, at one time, my my uh, my one cousin was a uh, supervisor, a manager in the NSA. In uh, I won't mention his name. Okay. And, uh, and uh, a friend of his worked at the. At the, on the uh, Africa desk at the, at the CIA, and they they went accompanied us over there, so it was all of us on the trip. And when we got over there, well, we we had the visas to go behind the Iron Curtain, which was hard to get at the time. Ooh, and yes. We we managed to get the visas to go to Budapest, Hungary. And my aunt being a, a school teacher, at one time she made friends 
uh, via the mail with a woman who taught school in Hungary. And when we went over there, the, the, the girl told her to, that the, what she wanted, if she would mind bringing her a pair of dungarees from the United States, they couldn't get them over there at the time. So my aunt said, sure, she'd be glad to bring dungarees over. So she packed us, she got her size, and she packed us. Uh, dungarees and, and she said uh, she'll meet us she knew our itinerary and what we were going to visit while we were in Budapest and she said she'll meet us there and my aunt can give her the dungarees so that was all cut and dried and we were going to do that so when we were on the bus heading for Budapest we uh, had to give our we had to surrender our passports uh, one of the Soviets, they weren't Hungarian, they were Soviets. They got on the bus and they went around and collected all the passports. Wow. And I just happened to notice that this one man who was with us, I said, worked at the CIA. Yeah. He mm -hmm. had your occupation down there. And he had her down there as an occupation school administrator. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, yeah, it's funny, you know, but I never said anything, you know. And they collected passports, and they said, you, and they took our names and passports, and they said that uh, after we come back to the same checkpoint that we went into Hungary, we have to leave that way also. So we went about our business over in Hungary. We, we visited different places. We uh, enjoyed ourselves, had a good time. And when we were on our way back, we had to go through the same checkpoint, you know, we, that we crossed over into Hungary. So when we're coming back, we noticed different things. And I noticed that we had to drive over a mirror. A gigantic mirror was on the road that the bus drove over so they could look up down in the mirror and see what's underneath the bus. Under the bus. Wow. In case anybody tried to sneak out, you know, or... Okay. So, anyway, these big Soviet guards came up while we got off, and they escorted us back to the uh, waiting, uh, waiting area. So we went in there, and I was kind of joking around, and, uh -oh. I, and I, I noticed he had a star on his shoulder. And I asked, him, I, I asked him what his rank was in, in the best broken English I could use. And he told me his right now. I told him if he was in America, he'd be a general. <laughs> well, I said, I said, general. He said, oh, general. And I don't know if that's Russian or not, but I, that's the closest I could come to it. <laughs> and uh, he started laughing with the other guys and pointing to his story as a general. You know, he said, oh, but you'd be a general too if they were in the United States. So, it was taking quite a while for the Soviets because they had to search the bus, too, at the time. So I was kidding around with those two Soviet guards, and I told them that I had a built-in mine detector. Oh, jeez. And I stuck one finger in each ear, and I put my one foot out further than the other, and I'm tapping around, walking forward. I'm tapping around with 
my fingers in my ear. Like if, if it would explode, I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> and uh, and this this man that was with us that worked at the CIA, he started getting nervous. I was getting too friendly with the guards, and, and it was taking an awful long time for them to pass us through. And he was starting he was starting to worry. In fact, my aunt stopped me on the side. She says, stop kidding around with those guards. She says, Keith is getting awful upset. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize that. He says, yes, he's very upset with you getting around with the guards because he was afraid I'd blow his cover. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. So anyway, anyway, that was the experience. Wow. And then we, we never did bump into that girl. But the tour guide that was on the bus, she says, give me her name and address, and I'll see that she gets it in my tummy. <laughs> yes, and we'll, we'll pick her up on our way to the next prison. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> John, how oh. could you do that? <laughs> well, that's what I did, and I was kidding around with him, and I, I guess I shouldn't have. <laughs> and you weren't 12, even. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> as well have been. You could have gotten away with it. Oh, John. Oh, you You know, are... there was a famous book, and I wonder how many of the copies they ever sold. So if Patricia ever gets internet back someday, maybe she could look at how to, how to do Europe in $5 a day. You know, what's... $5 that? a day? We can't we can't do America on $5 no. a day. But yeah, but I guess you could in Europe. Yeah. Wasn't there, there a famous book, in John? Europe where to... you can... How to go? Yeah. How to go through your five dollars a day or something? If you, I, I don't. You know, you know, at the time also, a friend of mine was a, a cigarette salesman for P. Lorillard, mm-hmm. and they, they, at the time, they had these. They came out with this, a brand called True Cigarettes, and the salesmen all have these salesmen's packs. There's only four cigarettes in a the pack. There, you've probably seen them before. There's a. Uh, you could only fit four cigarettes, and he and he gave me two cartons of them, and that was a lot of them four packs. And every place we would go, I would kind of use them as tips, and uh, that one were pretty good. And then when we were over in inside the Iron Curtain, I had these, and uh, we went into one place, and uh, they had a meal wall prepared, and they knew the Americans group of American school teachers are going to be there, so they prepared everything ahead. To, and uh, when we walked in the door, they started playing, the orchestra started playing Home on the Range. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody belongs to Texas. <laughs> playing Home on the Range. And I yeah. took these cigarettes. I took these cigarettes. After he was done playing, I walked up to the conductor, and I handed him a whole pile of these Four packs. Oh my God! If he, if he died, and went to heaven. And uh, and I told him, I said, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear something, you know, more popular. I said, yeah. we can come over here really to hear American songs. We come over here to hear, hear Hungarian songs. And he was happy to hear that. He started playing all these romantic ballads for you know and that they probably were, carried you home in Hungary. And that was really worth it. They they really played well, but we 
when you started playing Home on the Range. I said, we come all the way to Austria to hear Home on the Range. Oh, that, that's cute, though. He wanted you to feel at home. Yeah. It was very considerate. It was just kind of strange, but but sweet. <laughs> but so what have you been doing this week? Not much. Uh, my, my daughter has a little heart problem also now, but it's under control. Oh. One of her valves sticks. It doesn't close all the way. Ah, okay. You know, Mitral valve. And so she, we, we had her in the hospital one day. They had these tests and all that they were giving her. Uh-huh. And now she's going to go back to Swansea. They're going to discuss what they're, how they're going to uh, repair the uh, ah, valve that closes valve. all the way. So. <laughs> but uh, wow. other than that, uh, it's not them doing too much. I, I can't get around anymore. You know, I can't walk. I, I depend 100% now on a walker. Uh, and I got two of them. I got the rollator, the one with the wheels that you can uh-huh. And then I got the one that's just, uh, uh, you push it along. But it's much lighter. Mm-hmm. Go to the store or something. My wife has to put it in the car, and that big rollator she couldn't handle that. So I got one. Of the, I got it on eBay for twenty dollars. <laughs> Good for you. So anyway, uh, but uh, that's basically what we've been doing. I don't. I, I can't do too much anymore. Well, um, if you take out the the one with the wheel, then you can still walk around. Okay, you use that as support, right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 but then my eyes are really bad now, and uh, I have to go every eight weeks now to the eye doctor. Oh my! Oh my! Are you getting the shot in one eye or both eyes, John? Which one? Are... But it's, it's just the one eye. Okay. I, it's, it's macular degeneration, but it's wet. The yeah. other eye has macular degeneration and it's dry. What's the difference? Well, the one uh, the one that's wet, it, it has a hemorrhage. Okay. There's a hemorrhage in the back of my eye. Okay. And that's when and when they take a CAT scan, they have to give you a dye. Okay. You put a dye in your arm that they can photograph the back of your eye and uh, so what's the, going on back there. And so the one with a dry, there's no hemorrhaging behind that? Is that what that means? No, he, when, he's, when, he's, he dic- when he's looking in my eyes... He's dictated to somebody on a computer. Okay. And I've, I've gotten to learn some of the lingo. <laughs> like globular clustering, you know, <laughs> and a uh, certain percentage of hemorrhage. And then it looks in my, uh, what I call the good eye, and it'll say, no hemorrhaging. That's all I wanted to hear. So but there yeah. are people that get it in both eyes, and they have to go, a week apart to get uh, inoculations, and I don't. I just pray that I just have it into one eye because that's bad enough. Yeah. But that's about it. The kids are all back in school. And, uh, well, that's 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 good. That's but other than that, that's just about what I've been doing. Of course, I got. Well, I'm so g- I'm so glad you brought your story with you tonight. <laughs> of all the countries, John, I, that you ever visited, what was your favorite? Austria. And why? why? With the home on the range. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> now that's that's uh, uh, Hungary. Ah, that okay. Hungary. 
So why, oh, I got the countries wrong. So okay. what, why Austria? Why is that the favorite one? Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. The scenery there is so beautiful. It's so clean. And uh, I don't know, it just caught my eyes being uh, a lovely place, place to live, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it caught my eye. And, and I, I've been over there about, I'd say, five different times to visit to Austria. We got to know the manager of a what they call pension. Uh, I guess in America they call it pension. Okay. Ah, okay. It's, it's, called, it's pronounced pension. And uh, mm-hmm. they have the uh, typical, uh, well, we're in a mountainous area, and <clears throat> they have a typical alpine breakfast every morning in Jadis uh, where they bring the fresh, I think I told you about the milk they bringing the milk up. Yes, I remember that. And the bakery stops, and it's all fresh bread. There, <laughs> they don't they don't have toasters in Europe. They don't toast their bread like we do because we use the white bread. Like if you take a slice of white bread, put it in your hand, just squeeze it, you can make a dough ball out of it. <laughs> yeah. There's no text. There's no texture to it. And but you take uh, the, the grains, grain bread that they have over over in Europe. And you don't have to toast it. Well, I know Patricia's a white bread person. What are you, John? What kind of bread do you like? Right now, we try to get the, the whole wheat bread because um, I'm not supposed to have, uh, you know, I have to watch my my diet. Right. So, but uh, anyway, I, I try. we try for the whole wheat breads and things like that, grainy breads. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, over there, if you ask for toast, I found out if you ask for toast, you'll get a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. Oh, gee. <laughs> there really is a different language. Yeah, you don't even want a toast now. I'll have two eggs and bacon and toast, and you get a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. That's cute. That's really cute. Um, well, John, it is always so good to hear from you, and I'm so glad you brought your story tonight. Yeah, I sent you an email about the Star Spangled Banner. Yes, I did get it. Mm-hmm. Patricia has a very Thank you. Fa- fa- Patricia has a story about her her email tonight. <laughs> we it, 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 so everybody we, she's on a hold panel and she's going to tell us all about it, aren't you, Patricia? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh hey, boy! Well, I, lived, <laughs> I, lived, I got that from my friend who lives down in the, the villages in Florida. Oh, and. Uh, he sent it to me, and it made, I tell you what, it made a tear come to my eye. It, it does. I had God. seen the story um, in, in a documentary of sorts, and um, it pretty well matched up. It, it was quite a battle, remarkable battle and remarkable creativity that went into the winning. So, Well, John, you take well, care now, of yourself this week, and maybe we'll get to talk to you Saturday. I tried to get to you Saturday, but I couldn't get through Oh, we'll have to do daughter on there, and uh, I couldn't get through. Well, this Saturday we don't have a guest, so everybody will have a good chance to get in. Yeah. We'll have more time. Have, yeah. Maybe I'll have another <laughs> story for you. That'd be great. Oh, gosh, yes, that would be great. That'd be great, John. Maybe I'll tell you about the, when we went to the pyramids. There you go. That would be fun. 
That would be a fun story. You work on that, and we'll make sure you get through on Saturday. Okay. Take care, John. Very much. Okay, John. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. I got an interesting story about church yesterday, Patricia. Ah, uh, okay. Um, uh, the church uh, making friends with her church in Africa. Cause the member, there's a member that's a member of that's his home church, and he's here in Costa Mesa. And his mm-hmm. mom, his mom, his mom just passed away this year. I want you to guess what age his mom made it to. Oh goodness, how could I guess? Oh. I do not know. Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. His mom just passed away at age 113. Oh. <gasps> Oh my goodness! And she was Bless she was dancing. Heart. She brought he brought a video of her dancing around the house. One hundred and thirteen. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my she goodness! Got a big this ra- lady. She got a big round This lady loved to wake up in the morning. That's right. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Well, I thought I was calling. Hi, Ron. <gasps> Ron in Hawaii. Oh my gosh! How are you? Well, I am really happy because I received some free tea from a good friend of mine named Patricia. Aww. You know why she's a good friend of mine too? <laughs> no, she's. I sent I sent him mine. some. Re- yeah, I sent him some recordings. I remember. Are they ones that, it was Duke Ellington, and they were fabulous. Did you have any of those in your files already? Oh, no, 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 no. Wow. No, 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 they're, they're new? It's very hard to find things that are new for you. They're brand new. So, I gotta say, I'm in a great mood today. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Well, Ron, did it, did it, did the hurricane pass you guys? How did the hurricane go a couple weeks ago? Did that? Were you and Gail okay? Uh-huh. With the weather? Yeah, I'll ask her. Okay. <laughs> 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 we're, we're okay. We're fine. <laughs> no shortness and sense of humor here. <laughs> yes, please, please ask. Well, you know that you're okay because you're still in the same house, and the house didn't move, right? No, no, the house is still the same. Still you are so funny. Ron, you know how good you're sounding to us? How good am I sounding? You, you are remarkable. You, honest to goodness, this is absolutely remarkable. We haven't talked with you for a while. So, well, you know, we've got something in distance to compare this to. Oh my gosh, are you doing well? And your 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 pace is so quick. You are remarkable, Ron. You've done Well I've been listening to you guys and your pace is good about me. Well I tell you, Ron, you are one of the top people people ask about. We Patricia gets emails <laughs> and we get phone calls oh, and oh, True. Yes. Yep. You've got a whole family out here who worries about you and wonders how you're doing. Well, I, the only way you know that is if you're listening, and sometimes you don't. Oh, I, I don't all the, all the time. And yeah, I know. You're faithful. Step one Hawaii football's on, right, Ron? Huh? Step one Hawaii football's on. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> then you're not faithful. Well, anyway, I thought I'd say thank you, and I love 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 to you. You are most welcome, and we love you back. My gosh, it is so good to talk to you. And um, I love the listeners. Okay. All right, Juan. I will say goodbye. Talk to you soon. Take care. Aloha. Aloha. Wow. Oh, my gosh, what a great surprise. That was Ron in Hawaii who has not um, been calling in regularly. Ron had a stroke a while back, and he has just made such incredible progress. I mean, this is just, I, I can't believe the work he has done to just get back with us. Him. Aren't we glad that we live today? Think of you know. Yeah. Think of the modern medicine that we all enjoy. Because really, a lot of us would not be around. Patricia, oh, that's true. Michelle, my you know, think of you know the heart stuff my dad went through, or the people who suffer stroke. What a remarkable mm-hmm. process we all make through. Yep. We're blessed. To live today, it. Uh... I have to throw a P.S. in here. Yes. Ron is a good example of what hard work and perseverance does. That you need in addition to the medical stuff, mm-hmm. and he's got it. Yeah, we also have to have the will to want to work at it. Mhm. Yeah. And I didn't say it well. You said it perfectly. No, you did. You you did. I did. I wasn't thinking those terms, and that's why I just thought I'll get his band. Yeah. He just threw his heart and soul into this, wow. and it's so good to hear his voice. Oh my goodness, that was really a treat, Ron. I hope you're listening because we are still talking about <laughs> you, <laughs> and I'm glad he got his his um, Duke Ellingtons. Oh my, I had such. A, I you know I'm not particularly avid jazz fan but when we get to duke ellington and before him Mm -hmm. in those years i could listen to that for a very long time and when i came across i I wasn't out looking for them but i just came across them and i listened to some and oh my gosh that man was good he was hot stuff well is it because probably dot 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 (laughs) squiggly yes squiggly that squiggles, you, yes. Squiggles, that you you appreciate and love pianos. I do that. Yes, yeah. I do love pianos. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, my my tastes are expanding. I knew, I knew it. I just knew it. I knew if we were going to be with you forever, you would you you would develop into a a music expert someday. I just knew it. Oh dear! Don't push it. <laughs> Who have you discovered lately, or who have you grown a real appreciation for more more than today? Than, well, say people like people like Duke Ellington. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't even have stopped to listen, and I did this time, and I re- was rewarded for it. Well, see, I remember, and I've done that with some other things as well. Gene so Cooper. I'm I'm really pleased. I remember Gene Cooper a couple of years ago. You really developed appreciation for Gene Cooper. 
I had an appreciation of Gene Krupa for years. Yeah. That man was an, you know, I keep using the word magic. He was a magician on the drums. He made those things, I, I, I don't know how to express it. His talent in drums that are so overlooked, you, you know I say that so often, the, the drummer in a band is probably the least recognized and the one, one of them with the most talent. Uh, he had it. My gosh, did he have it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to think that Benny Goodman in the thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight, had such so much talent in his orchestra from Gene Krupa mm-hmm. and Harry James, and you can hear all that in that Carnegie Hall concert. It's just yeah, incredible. Yeah, remarkable man. Well, I've got stuff for you. Well, are you gonna tell us your story, or you want to do your stuff? Um. I- I really want to tell you my story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a beaut. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So there I was, <laughs> just minding my own business. Well, I have been saying, oh, I have to remember to call and have my television disconnected because I haven't watched it for four weeks, and I don't miss it, and I'm paying $60 a month for something I'm not using. Right. So I made out a list today. These are all the calls I have to make. I got my replacement credit card that's coming and you know all sorts of things like that. And I get down, next item on the list is CenturyLink. This is not an advertisement for CenturyLink. <laughs> so I call, the re- I was smart enough to send an email and say, how do I get my television disconnected? Because you can get caught in a loop when you call the regular service line. Well, and I I had to start out by giving them my birthday, my the last four digits of my social security number. This isn't an email. Last four digits of my social security number and the amount I paid in the last bill. And fortunately, I had them. I knew where I lived. So I sent them in finally. And this was an email. They wouldn't send me a telephone number unless I had proof that I was really a customer. So I got the telephone number. I called, called residential support, said I'd like to disconnect my television, and she said, if I offer you a lower rate, would you stay? And that that kind of sets my teeth to hurting whenever I hear something like that because I've been a very good customer for five years with these people, yeah. paid my bill on time. I'm really glad I don't cause any problems, and because I'm leaving, they're going to give me a better rate, right. not because I'm a good customer, but because I'm leaving. Right. Well, I said, no, thank you. You may just disconnect it. So she disconnected my service that I haven't had for, four what, weeks. four weeks? Yeah. Okay, so I haven't had service for four weeks. And I asked her, well, would you give me some credit? So she did. She gave me $25. Hey. So, okay, that's 25 Yeah, that's $25 I wouldn't have unless right. I asked. And I shouldn't have had to ask, but, of course, they were the ones who were going to give me a better rate. So... She disconnects my television. I go back to the computer, and I can't get on the Internet. <laughs> I'm disconnected from the Internet. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Start all over again. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I called the same customer service number, and I got this in the email, by the way, and I got directly to a person. A person picked up the phone. I said, you just shut off my television, but I'm out of Internet as well. Oh, she said, we'll put in a work order for you. I said, I don't want a work order. You disconnected it. 
with my television, just turn it back on. Oh, well, we can't do that. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a long afternoon, and indeed it was. I went through technical support. <laughs> this one, this one, no, one of the women was in South America. I don't know where this one was, but the third one was out in Southeast Asia somewhere. I'm, I'm learning to ask. So this guy tells me, he puts me through my paces. I have to pull wires. I have to plug them in backwards. I have to shut off the modem, turn it back on. I went, it, it was like back and forth, back and forth. And finally I said, stop, <laughs> just stop. What are you going to do to get my Internet turned back on? Well, it says here because the, the modem is blinking, it means that there's something out in the community that's wrong. I said, couldn't you tell me that before I started pulling all these wires? No, he couldn't do that. That's fine. So I said, okay, what are we going to do here? He said, well, we can have a repairman out tomorrow. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I just, I don't think so. He said, well, um, okay, we, we could do it in eight. And now I'm, I'm talking to Southeast Asia or something. I said, are you talking eight o'clock tonight or eight hours? And he stopped and he said, eight hours. I said, that's midnight. He said, yes, that's right. Said, okay, <laughs> that is not quite acceptable. So he says, if it's not working by 7 o'clock tonight, call the tech support again because we can force them to go out. And I thought, you're out in Vietnam somewhere. Are <laughs> you going to force these guys to come to my apartment to fix a wire that's in the dark? I don't think so. So anyway, I called back at 6 o'clock. I've got another tech support person. <sighs> well, I've got an order pending, and he will be here by 6 o'clock tomorrow. And no, we're, this, this was, you know, we went through another one of these paces here with polar lights and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> the best I could get out of them was 12 noon tomorrow. I have no Internet. I canceled my television, and they canceled my Internet. Yep, it sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and he's saying, oh, but it, it's in the community. I said, doesn't it sound a little bit peculiar to you that they shut off my television and instantly my Internet went down at the same time? Oh, no, it's out in the community. <laughs> That's fine. Go fix the wires. <laughs> So I'm sitting here with all of these notes, and I had this great story to tell you. And let me reiterate, that was CenturyLink. <laughs> oh. I just thought you'd need to know that. Well, I'm glad at least have so that's my, I still don't have Internet. I'm glad at least I can't look anything up for I'm, you. I'm glad what? you still got cell phone service. I do. And then I kept asking him, if, if you're telling me that everything is down, how come I'm talking to you? on my regular phone through CenturyLink. And he said, well, what is your cell phone number? I said, I'm not talking to you on cell phone. I'm talking to you on my CenturyLink phone. Well, don't you have a cell phone and we'll text you? I said, I don't do texting, and my cell phone is in my purse, and I never use it, which is the truth. And you have a dumb phone. You have a dumb, you, you're like me. We both have dumb phones, so they're not... We have dumb phones. We don't. I think that's just the greatest phrase in the whole world, Walden. And I tell people, my friend Walden said this, and I agree. I don't take credit for it. A dumb phone or a stupid phone. We don't have a smartphone. Um, 
Oh, <laughs> this last one, he's going to send me an email to confirm my appointment tomorrow. <laughs> You're kidding me, right? <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> he said, oh, no, we are required to send out confirmations in your email and he and he reads off the email my my CenturyLink email and I said yes that's correct he said okay I will send it <laughs> how am I going to read it he said well it will go to your mailbox <laughs> we we haven't had a good conversation have we <laughs> just I mean the inanity of it is so laughable after I got off the phone I did start to laugh I thought you know, these people are serving the world. No wonder we want to bring jobs back here. You know the, what? These are the call centers. I want to part of the problem is because we're outsourcing so many of the uh, service, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the jobs. The call centers, yeah. The, the call centers overseas. So management gives them a step-by-step -step playbook. This is what that you is do. correct. This is, and so they don't have the ability. Mm -hmm. They have to follow these steps rather than trying to solve the customer's problem so you know it's really interesting every each one of them had a script and it wasn't the same terminology that the other ones were using but i could tell of course that they were working from a script but each of them went through a different set of steps looking for a solution so i get to think sometimes that they're just lazy i mean when this guy told me call back at seven o'clock he's going to be gone by seven yeah. Um, he's, he's not going to answer my phone call. <laughs> if it's not working by 7, call and, and we can force them to go out. Well, that was my goodbye. And the other guy didn't say that, nor did customer service. So I, I don't know. Does, it, does each country have its own script? That's a great question. Or each call center? Uh, maybe maybe each call center has its own script. Maybe each call center. And I know there are specialists. At a call center, so t sometime when I've gone, when I've gotten nowhere, I just ask for the next level above them. Right, and, in so, Vietnam. Yeah, well, <laughs> basically uh, different management, and well, hopefully they have more power to solve my yeah. problem. So. Yeah, oh dear, oh dear. Well, well, I hope you have internet by Saturday. Oh, gee. Well, I can still talk to you. I know. I just won't have any information. I know. I well, know. that's not true. I've got, what, five years of stuff? Yeah. Six years. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. But if the family sends you an email, Patricia, do your exercises, you will have a good excuse because you won't ever have seen the email this week. Gotcha. You are a good reminder, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> so... Everybody and I do have to do that. I skipped yesterday, and that's not a good thing. Everybody, send Patricia an email this week at floridawriter at hotmail.com. <laughs> and maybe she'll be able to see it. It'll be right next to the one that comes in from CenturyLink. <laughs> to goodness. What a trip. What a trip. And, you know, I felt like such a dope, because, which is easy to do. I mean, you talk about doofus. Mm -hmm. I went to the, the credit card Internet. You know, I pay my bills um, on the Internet, and I also needed a replacement card from these people. So I go to the Internet, and it's not loading. And I changed browsers, and it's not loading. So I called, and I paid my bill by phone, and then I asked for customer service. And I told her what the problem was, and she said, well, hold on. I'll, I'll transfer you right over to the 
technical support people. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, I'm on hold. And it wasn't. I mean, she popped me over, and they picked up the phone, and I told her what the problem was. And she said, has it happened with any other website? And I thought, how stupid could I be? (laughs) I haven't tried one. And, of course, none of them worked because I wasn't connected. But I felt like such a doofus, and fortunately she had a sense of humor, and the two of us got a good laugh out of that. I'm not not stupid. I'm not a stupid person. It just never occurred to me that it was anything other than that particular website. (laughs) I mean, who would think that they'd disconnect you when your television got disconnected? Absolutely. Which is really irritating because all of my television shows and my news, all of that is on the Internet. We're going to have to start seeing you carry, carry your picture or something. We'll have to send Patricia the news by, <laughs> by little what? birdies that fly with a little newspaper strapped to their ankles or something. 714-545-2071. Monday night. I almost said Saturday. Yes, Bill Bragg <laughs> is, is sicker than a dog. My candy head company, so Patricia and I are holding down the fort until midnight Eastern time. So we're here for another 37 minutes. And the, so we're getting calls. All right. And Hello another there. person loves us. Hello There's there. somebody out there. You're on with Patricia. How you doing, Paul and Patricia? This is Paul from way up in Manhattan in New York City. Oh, my gosh, Paul. Well, Paul, hello. How are you? And thank you for calling. Well, I always enjoy listening to you. I have my uh, Wi-Fi radio next to the bed, so I sit here and I'm on the computer and listening to you on the radio. So it's a combination of multimedia. <laughs> <laughs> You've I, just, I don't want to... I don't... I don't want to take up a lot of time. I just wanted to ask Walden something, maybe for some future shows. Sure. Uh, I was wondering, <clears throat> again, I'm in my 70s, so uh, I remember the old-time radio, but something I always remembered was some stories about the old, um, the, the organists that used to be around the, the uh, uh, radio stations that had to be available not just to play for all the dramas, but also in case this show stopped or right. if you needed an interlude. Mm-hmm. Is, right. Have you done any interviews about um, musicians who have played um, music with some of those old dramas or organ or full orchestra? We, we have several in the archives. Um, uh, Glenn Hall, or she, Gail Carter, who played for Amos and Andy, did that. Rosa Real who played for The Shadow, did that kind of work. Uh, Ivan Dithmarge, we have several right there. So if you want, I'll definitely tell her. We'll put that into the uh, into the hopper, either on Spurvac Present, or we'll stick some of those in. Um, be terrific. The, uh, <clears throat> the reason is because, uh, again, I used to work in radio, and, of course, you used to have uh, carts that could be, you know, carts and queuing up records that you could start right on the second. And I've always been impressed listening to the old-time radio shows where as soon as that last word of drama was said, the organist <laughs> would come in with the, you know, the, that note. <laughs> yeah. And it was, so, it was so cool the way they, uh, the musicians, both orchestras and in suspense and a lot of other ones, I was just always, in my mind, I was trying to configure, are these people in the same room? Are they in another room? Is, you know, is there a common place where the organ is, where a guy can play for many of the soap operas, that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was interesting, um, it, it was interesting, it was done different, each one had a different setup, for example, 
in Chicago when Amos and Andy were so popular in the 30s, mm -hmm. they were the only one in the room by themselves. Up, They were like on the 14th floor, and the organist was down on the third floor. So okay. they would that in, in Chicago, they were not in the same room. Now, in New York, when Rosario were playing for soap operas, they would be all in the same room. Um, it, it would, each one had a different setup, and each one had their own story. So yeah, that that would be a great, great topic. And in fact, I was thinking he didn't play for radio, but he played for Lawrence Welk this year. I'm playing the call this week. Bob Ralston. If people would ah. remember the old Lawrence Welk TV show, yeah, he was a sure. famous, famous organist there, and he still performs. And I, he was on my to-do list to give him a call. But uh, cause I, theater organs are so fun, you know, to listen to. Um, like oh, that. yeah. And, in fact, a great organ story, everybody, the famous show One Man Family, it was, it was started in San Francisco, and it had that beautiful organ theater sound mm -hmm. and when they moved the radio show in 1937 they brought the organ with them oh. can mm. you imagine they un they they disconnected all the pieces of that organ from San to ship it down to LA and that way wow. they could install it and have that sort of that same sound when they were based out Hollywood. So there's a, a lot of great stories about it. When, when you were listening to the same, uh, you know, a daily soap opera, mm -hmm. you almost considered the organ as part of a character because you could almost say if you picked a little bit of music out of that soap and tried to compare it with uh, another one, the style was different. There was just a different feeling to it. Mm -hmm. I often wondered whether was was any of the music that well uh, written and organized, or did these, uh, many of these organists vamp in time? Uh, yeah, Rosa Rio did a terrific interview with Dick Burrow, and he said, we we were given the leeway to interpret. We sort of had a feel in the rehearsal what the director wanted, if he wanted it to be sad, or he wanted they And so we had to, the big, the, the toughest part was to wrap it up in a short, period of time. So in other words, yeah. if we were geared to have eight seconds, seven seconds, we're supposed to give the whole feel, and if, the, if they're running late, we're supposed to be cutting up those bridges shorter. So that was the toughest part, is to trying to play, get the feel, and get out. And That's just like being a real character on yeah. there. That is, uh, given being given directions to fill in, to yeah. do just the right thing at the right time. Great. Great topic. I think we definitely we should do something, something like that. Well, I don't want to hold you guys up. I just wanted to ask if sometime you could bring one of those on because I'd love to hear more about how just the, the workings of that whole operation in the back right before everything started to get taped and pre-recorded. Sure, that'd be great. I like the idea, Paul. Love listening to you guys. Thank, Thank you, you Paul. so much for being there. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for being out there. Oh, listen, it's, it's again, I come in sit down in the bed, put my computer on my lap, turn on the radio, and you're button number two on my C-Crane Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, well, we go to bed with more two. people. <laughs> you well, you do understand that. We go to bed with a lot of people. Thank right. you for joining the list. Well, I used to do a nighttime radio show. I, I used to do um, 
I'd go in and do the weather forecast where I used to do some drawing up cartoons on, on the TV show, then walk down the hall and start my 1130 show, and that went till about 2 o'clock in the morning. So I had many, uh, many a person calling up at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning wanting to play a song. Uh, I know what you mean by going to bed with your audience. So what, oh my gosh! Would you? What, go kind, ahead, Paul, what kind of music did you play, Paul? What was the format from a little bit during the Oh, show? big bands and Sinatra and strings and a combination of. Uh, well, they used to. I remember I was going to college at the time when I was doing this, and I remember one of my teachers. I went to a Jesuit university, and he said, um, "Sounds sometimes like you're playing music for the guys that are out on dates." <laughs> and I said, well. They sometimes request that, you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, play this, I'll be out with Mary. Did you ask him how he knew that kind of stuff? <laughs> well, you know, it, is, it was, Jesuits were always You're known right. to be known what was going on in the world. Yes. <laughs> but it was, I loved radio, radio was, again, I, it is my still, and that's why I'm, I love you guys being around, because it's a, uh, it's something where radio will never lose its 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 feeling. It's a, it's a definite an intimate feel about it. I think yep. we know the listeners, the listeners know us just because it's the voice. I, I don't I don't know what it is, but it's just a very intimate feel about it and it's just uh I, think I had a guy uh, I had a guy call me up at about one thirty uh, one night and he said, I just got home from, with my wife or out at a party, would you play one of our favorite songs? Play tenderly. So after the TV guys went, I was the only one in the in the whole uh, radio station. So I went out and started to find something by uh, tenderly, and I found a whole bunch of songs tenderly. So I pulled them all into the, the uh, control room, and um, I started to play the first tenderly. Well, then I I think I'll see what another version of tenderly sounds like. So in the middle of the fourth tenderly, this he called back in and he said. You know, we have three kids already, says in your What a great line. So again, I, I this is not made up, but nine months later I was doing an afternoon show and the guy called up and he said, Do you remember me calling for Tenderly? And I said, I certainly do and he said, We named it Paul. <laughs> My gosh, what a great story! Thank you. So that's that's that one, the power of radio. <laughs> I think that one tops everything we've heard. Well, it's again, I, I I love radio. It it um, and I'm so happy you guys are on because it is just wonderful to turn it on, and to get real people, and get some great music, and get interviews with Michael, and get all the stuff that Walt and you are just amazing. You Thank are. You, I, the more I listen, the more I keep thinking that there is a monstrous genius out there in the West <laughs> doing amazing things. So I uh, that's the problem. I re- that's the problem. Turning me loose when Bill Bragg turns me loose, it's sort of like having the mic to play plays around. So he's been very good at letting me play play around and tinker and see what we can come up with. So yeah. Well, you have no idea the visualization I have of you running everything out there is <laughs> is something I would love to see real sometime. <laughs> Having worked in the control room of, and knowing how to be working with the controls and running a radio station when you're the only one in the building. Oh, well, um, there's been time when something's gone wrong, I'm laying on the floor, 
looking for wires. I'm pulling this wire, plugging that in. You know. Well, the one the, the time I really enjoyed is when I hear now. I don't know if I'm hearing this correctly. Yeah. I'm hearing a rolling chair ro- rolling across the floor. That's true. And a, and a voice hearing it now. Correctly. <laughs> That's true. And then a, a little scratchy and then come back across the floor. That's true. solved. That's true because the computer, the way, way the, what I'm sitting, is on one end of the room and the computer is on the other end. And so I got down to the other side to take care of you. Well, that's, <coughs> that's real radio. You're, oh, you're yeah. getting the inside and the outside and the all around. We had a great fun last night. Maybe, Paul, you caught it. Patricia, I know no. you're probably reading a book. Michael Beal was on Skype last night, yeah. and he didn't update his Skype, and so he sounded like Chickmunk. And so we had John, <laughs> we we had John doing his dry interview of Michael Beal at Chickmunk for about 20 minutes, and I, I, I was losing it, so I shut off the microphone, just sat there and just laughed, and so it was hilarious. <laughs> it really was hilarious. John had Michael sing. He he had Michael playing records. <laughs> Nobody is safe. Another, the interesting thing about when you're talking with Michael, uh, you'll come in and I'll say, "Well, I'm probably going to fall asleep very fast." And suddenly Michael's starting to talk about something, and he, you know, as he's going through things, he's connecting things together, and all of a sudden I'm wide awake and I'm on for the entire program, <laughs> hearing him getting into something that I wanted learn about i know it is it, 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 his college professorship comes in handy because you can hear him pulling out yes. this book or that book or trying to yep you know it, it, he has an interesting approach to doing radio all by himself there's no doubt about that well again thank you so much i'll let somebody else get on right, it's been paul. a joy thank you paul paul it's Little. great talking to you thank you good night good night bye-bye Paul's been listening for 14, 15 years, and he called in one Sunday night just to let us know. So that's the first time you guys chance to talk to Paul. So wonderful. Ah, uh, got it. Hooray. He, we keep He's him awake. Out there. Somebody is out there in New York listening to us. He keeps us awake. Paul, you don't sound like you're in New York. I know. Well, well all you know, know you, New Yorkies are supposed to sound with what New York accent or something, you know? Hey. You know, there I was, still <laughs> sitting around minding my own business. No, we do not. Seven, Took a little bit of practice, but no, we don't. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Till Monday night, Patricia and I will be here for another twenty-five minutes, and then we got to sneak out the door because this is week one, day one, so there's a lot of new programming. Uh, and we're on our honor. And in fact. One of the fun things you're gonna you'll be hearing on the Spurvac Present Show this week is news. So it's the time when uh, John Roy pulled out the di- different time when Bob Trout was a guest at the Spurvac meeting. Oh. So, uh, and and other and some of his compatriots. So you might want to tune in during the Spurvac Present during the next two weeks and hear some of Bob Trout reminiscences and things like oh, that. Oh yes. So. Oh, yes. And just in case somebody missed it when I said it last week, Robert Trout is the broadcaster or the news person who coined the phrase fireside chats. He was covering the speeches with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 
and he was trying to describe an intimacy, the sense of intimacy that Roosevelt was able to transfer to the people in the country. And he called, he said, it's just like sitting by the fireside. It's a, it's a fireside chat. And that's where it came from, Robert Trout. One people I'm hoping to call this week is Richard Williams. And he is one of the remaining quiz kids that's still around. He's going to be turning 87, but he spent 30 some odd years in the diplomatic corps in the State Department. In fact, in fact, I think he was like the first ambassador we had after the war to China. And oh my goodness! And so I'm looking forward to giving him a call home and see if he will come on and talk to us. And I think it would be fun. And I was doing a little more research. I did not realize this, Patricia. Did you know in 1954 that Clifton Fadiman wound up being the quiz master on the Quick Good Show? I did not know I that. I did not know on, that. On, on a relatively permanent basis or uh-huh. a long term? Probably, probably, not just a guess. Probably a very short term permanent basis, you know, probably a year or less. When, where did that fit in with Joe Kelly? Now, he got sick, and a whole bunch of people yep. took over for him, yep. and they they shared. I mean, like Fran Allison had two shows, and right. there were I, I can't recall the other ones. And then I ran out of shows to listen to. Where did Clifton Fadiman fit in? And oh, you just said that, silly me. No, no, that's okay. But because I, I think he must, Joe Kelly must have had a pause around 53 or so, so maybe he was not Yeah, he was while. very ill. Yeah. Very ill with the heart problem. So that's one of my phone calls I want to hopefully get accomplished this week to call Richard Williams and have him on mm-hmm. one, one of our segments. Fun stuff. That would really be fun yeah. stuff. Finding out what the kids did when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And this one was really special. Some of them were tragic. As yeah. who, who was the Ruthie? Was it Ruthie who, who Ruthie, wrote the book? Yeah, Ruthie Dustin wrote the book. He profiled yeah. 400 quick kids. And some of them just wound up tragically, um, you know, they were down and out and, and living out. on their own. And I, one, do I recall correctly that one was homeless? Yes. Yeah. It just... It's heartbreaking and inevitable. You get children and adults, too, who are that smart or, no, erase that, who have that level of intelligence. They don't have to be smart. They have have that level of intelligence and abilities, and nobody's around they can identify with on an equal plane. Or maybe... or, or it makes you wonder that in the quiz kit, there was kids that had areas of specialization. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they were common, ordinary kids, all for except for this one gift, that they had a, an interest in birds, so, so they could name you all the birds of the world, or, yeah. or something like that. In the case where I know they, they, they would find those and put them on the show until it gave questions into that category. Yeah, and some of them were just smart all over the place. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Well, I did not know that about Clifton Fadiman. Uh-huh. And the one thing that just, well, it wouldn't have made any difference because I didn't know who Clifton Fadiman was before he died. And he died here in my county, 
Always, he lived on Sanibel. All, all he lived on Sanibel Island, and that's where he was living when he died. All we need to do is either add another few more years to his life, or or you started just a little bit earlier. We could have done it all together. Back me up, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what a joy that would have been to be able to talk with him. Oh my goodness. Oh my, and I didn't even know who he was until what, what, I hooked up with you guys. Were you aware of who Oscar Levant was before we we found each yes. other? Yes. Uh-huh. Be- before, yes. Before, um, before I discovered information, please. Yes, I knew who he was. I just had no idea how in depth he was, and the the, the uh, oh, I don't know the the volatility even of his personality going up and down and not really volatile but labile that's the word i'm looking for and how he responded so quickly and humorously the man was just a a remarkable person and the thing that breaks my heart i know i've said it repeatedly and forgive me for saying it again he died thinking he had not accomplished anything yeah that he had wasted part of his life I just I can't get my arms around that. I mean that that's where his mindset yeah. got hung up that he thought he had contributed nothing. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's just it tells you how powerful the mind is. That yes. it, <coughs> that either it can be a positive response or else it could be mm-hmm such a sad state of affair, you know? And what doesn't make sense to one person makes perfect sense to the person who's experiencing Mm -hmm. it. And his made no sense at all to the average person. And it it just breaks my heart to think that a man with his talents and his breadth, he did everything from, from writing books to composing music for Broadway plays, and he was a concert pianist, and he directed, and he was a stand-up comic. I mean, he just went across the board mm-hmm. and thought he had never tapped into anything that was of value. I hope, I hope somebody misquoted him or he misstated something. I've, I've read at least one of his books. I, I guess, how, how many did he write? I two or three? Two, for sure, maybe three. It, it was two, yeah. and then they were... Autobiographical. Tripped over that one, uh, but that—that's what he wrote. He just didn't think he had accomplished anything in his life. I think his wife wrote one too after he was gone. Ah, and that might have been. Okay. I don't know. She's still around. She might. She might still be around. I don't know. Um, I think her name was June, if I recall. That's correct. Yeah. Where you you're right up. I never would have remembered that. Yes, her name was June. And they had, I think, at least three kids. I think it was something like that. They they had several children. Hmm. Several. Now that's a thought. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So when you get put that on your list. Tell yeah. Tell uh, <laughs> put that on your list. <laughs> on, uh, when I get internet, I'll be yeah. able to do a lot of stuff. I put this thing these things down and send an email to myself. All right. Well. Put you can send the email now, and it'll show up at the same time the Century Lake email shows up. Well, I, I can't do it because I have to access the Internet in order to compose one. So I guess I could just write it out and then paste it. See, 
Well, I guess you, you could turn. I guess you could turn on the cop, the computer, and compose it and have it sitting in the file, then send it later. Yeah, I can. Go, I can do that. I yeah. write it on a word document and copy and paste it. I can do that. I'll write myself a letter. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. Fifteen minutes ago, that was a famous song. Let me think. Who wrote I that? I, who wrote? Yeah, who, who uh, sang it? Oh, I, think it, I think original, yeah, but I think the original one was Fats Waller. Really? Yeah, I think Fats Waller. Oh, another one high on my list. I never would have listened to his music five or ten years ago. Who have you Who have you fallen in love with over the last ten years that you would have not necessarily exposed yourself to? Bessie Smith. Okay. The blues singer from yeah. the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, of course, Duke Ellington. Yeah. I mentioned that. The big band, the Benny Goodmans and the Glenn Millers, uh-huh. never would have listened to them. It just did, had no appeal to me. Right. And I will sit and listen to them now and really enjoy them. Not not simply say, oh, gosh, that was nice, right. but really sit and enjoy them. And I never would have done that five or ten years ago. Five years ago. See, your music... Your music I'm growing, Walt, and I'm yeah. growing. And guys, don't you love listening to Artie, talk, Artie Shaw talk? It's always fun. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. What a piece of work that man was. He said he he wasn't help me because I'm paraphrasing uh-huh. here. He never should have gotten married because he couldn't live with himself either. Yeah, he figured after eight marriages, he figured he was just too impossible to live with. He was impossible, and and that he couldn't live with himself right. either if he had right. to marry. Yeah. <laughs> So he had a great sense of humor. He's a very serious man, but great sense of humor. Extremely intelligent, but uh, mm. he realized his shortcomings that, that he just couldn't <laughs> love After eight marriages. <laughs> <laughs> took him eight marriages to recognize them. It, it's, and and uh, you know, his, his work philosophy was interesting at the end. You do is three for rent, one for yourself. So he felt as an artist... You have to do something that you appreciate and enjoy for yourself. So it's mm-hmm. okay to do three of them for rent, but keep one for yourself. So that was sort of his working philosophy. Great there. expression. You know? I really like that. That's good. I was going to tell you something, and it's gone for... Oh, there it is. You were asking me before about <laughs> why do people like writers keep doing what yes. they're doing if yes. they're starving. Yes. Artie Shaw is a, is a great example. He did what he loved to do, mm-hmm. and he made a living at it. Writers and artists don't necessarily have the made-a-living part, but we're, we're having a great time here. Well, you know, I, 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 that's why I was thinking life is so short. You, tr- you mm-hmm. got to do, you gotta do a, it's what it's Especially when you're working, you gotta figure a way to make it fun or enjoyable for yourself. At least part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. If not, that's a lot of hours a week go, going out the door. Yeah, that's, that is true. Yeah, that is true. Well, I have a question for you. Sure. If you want to get the number one more time, because we got all of twelve minutes left. I know. Seven one four five four five. 2071, her number, Patricia and I are here on Monday night, September the 12th, year 2016. Go ahead, my dear. And she will have her computer back (laughs) 
on Tuesday the 13th, maybe. <laughs> That's what they say. You know, life, life is getting good in the slow lane here with no television and now no Internet. Nobody bothering me. The phone works, but that's okay. Um, gee whiz, this is good. Getting, I've read three books. You're getting ready. You're getting ready to move to the forest, I guess. Oh yes, yes. I'm getting prepared. <laughs> I am getting prepared to do this. Well, I have two things, and you pick one, unless somebody calls in the meantime. Okay. I pulled out the Mulligan stew. Ah. That, and there's. An awful show coming up that Larry and Walden recorded with me the other night, I don't know, last week, I guess, and it's Are You a Genius, which is a positively dreadful show, but I described it as a mulligan stew, and I thought maybe there are people out there who never knew what a mulligan stew was. It's something that the Irish talk about a lot because of the name Mulligan, but it had nothing to do with Ireland. So I looked up the recipe for it. So you can hear Mulligan stew, or you can hear a question that I pulled out that we had about four years ago, and I thought maybe you'd like to take a shot at it a second time. So which one would you like? I have no idea what's in, inside of a Mulligan stew, so let's, let's try that one first. I would be happy to tell you. The beginnings of Mulligan stew are kind of hazy, but according to one historian, it was around 1900, and it was created by someone named Grandma Dolly. She was born in Kansas in the late 1800s, and from what I read, it sounds like she had a restaurant or a hotel with a dining area. And she created Mulligan Stew, which was a combination of many things and perhaps not the same items each time you make the stew. It got more popular among hobos after the 1900s. You know, the, uh, on the railroad, they would hitch rides on the on the freight trains and get off, and there were always stops that hobos were likely to be. And when they made a mulligan stew, they put a pot on an open fire, and everybody contributed something, if they could. I mean, there were times that they couldn't. So anything from <laughs> squirrels, they would, they would cut up squirrels and bread, or they would steal eggs or a chicken, and everything went into the pot. And there was a story about one time they had a little um, – unusual stew because somebody threw a cigar in it. That was all he had. He threw a cigar in it. I'm not sure I'd eat this stuff. But anyway, that's that's mulligan stew. That's, that was the description of a mulligan stew. Very popular along the railways. Wow. Squirrels. 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 Now, I know, you know, people like Jed Clampett would shoot a squirrel and have it for dinner. But that's that's what they did. Whatever they had, they put it in the pot. Put something in the pot, boy. That's right. Like Jack Cook would say. That's right. Togetherness. So mm -hmm. as a group, they created their own dinners. I don't know where the name came from, though. Well, I figured Mulligan was named after somebody, but I guess not. Mrs. Mulligan. There you go. I really don't know. I thought it would have been an Irish concoction, mm -hmm. something that would have been brought over from the old country because there were so many periods where starvation and hunger was just 
rampant. Sure. And to have a mulligan stew, to have somebody in each home or in an area bring something to contribute to the pot, and then everybody could take some home for dinner. But that's not what I found. No. I Back found Grandma Dolly in Kansas. How about that? Very well, good. It's nice that we can remember Grandma Dolly. Very good. Very and now we have, what, seven minutes? Seven minutes, so we can do the question of four years ago. From four years ago, how many Marx Brothers were there and name who they were? were there were five? Correct. Harpo? Right. Chico? Right. Groucho? Right. Zeppel. Very good. Um, do, do, this do. is the weirdest name of the bunch. Hmm. Zeppel is not. <laughs> that one's kind of on the chart, too. Yeah. But this one, the, the last one is the weirdest one, I think. I don't think I know. Gummo. Gummo, that's right. G-U-M-M-O. Oh. Gummo. Now, where they came up with the name, and in order of birth, Chico was the oldest. I would have put Groucho up there. Okay, yeah, I think Chico. Chico, uh-huh. Okay. In order, Chico, Harpo, Groucho, Gummo, and Zippo. I wonder how many really of them... Maintain any much of a career after the Marper, Groucho did, and and Harpo, but I don't know if the other three really did anything after the Marper broke up. So that might be I a, do future, not know. a what future, was future Patricia project. Yes. Uh, who, who, which one communicated with whistles? That was uh, Harpo. Harpo. And, and he, he did speak. play the harp. He was a wonderful musician yes. on the harp. And, of course, we've had his son on a couple of times, Bill Marks. Mm -hmm. And, and his, he said his dad had some albums in the 50s, you know, featuring his harp music and things like that. Wow. Yeah. Chico had the gambling problem. Um, and so I don't know about the others. That, that would be a fun project. On my list of people to call, actually, is Groucho Marx's daughter. And I bet that Miriam wrote, wrote a book about her dad. And mm -hmm. uh, hopefully my number's good, and so maybe we can ask her whatever happened to the rest of the, the her uncles, basically. Yes, yes. I do not know if there were other siblings in this group. It's just the Marx brothers yeah. that... Uh, we talk about. I don't know if they had sisters or there were other boys in the family. I'm guessing this is strictly a guess. Do not, because I don't even have the internet to prove I'm wrong. There's probably somebody out there who would say, oh yeah, you're right. But the birth order, the years in the birth order went 1887, 88, 90, 92, and then 1901. That's a big separation, 1892 to 1901, which makes me think there might have been births in between there. Yeah, well, His and mama I think, was a busy lady. Yeah, and I think the, it was sort of the mama's idea to get the boys out there together. 
Another stage mom. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's so funny that one of the things that Groucho used to do is sing, you know, he was of the Jewish faith, and he would be singing at churches and things early, you know, and I think... Groucho? I, yep. No kidding. Yep. In fact... I wonder if Ch did Chico sing, too? Did uh, he have any kind of musical inclination? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and I have no idea what happened to Gummo and Zeppo. No. We know that Groucho had a great love for Gilbert and Sullivan. I've never... I don't really know too much. I know they were English, and I know they were uh, famous music lyricists of the, of the time. Lyricists, yeah. Uh, but, and there's, you know, if you, if you hear, like, Franklin P. Adams just loved Gilbert and Sullivan and, and quoting those types of things. Pinafore, yes. Yeah. He loved Pinafore. Mm-hmm. And... I know Groucho was the same. Groucho also was a big fan of the military. He knew military history, too. So, uh, My goodness. Yeah. That's another good book to read, or the Groucho Letters. I think he was quite a letter writer, too, everybody. So you might want to look for that book, the Groucho Letters. And I think the reprint of some of Groucho's famous letters. Hmm. I went through some of my, not, not some of my mom's stuff after she died. My sister and I helped put things together, and Barbara had most of the responsibility. But I do have, that I have to distribute and figure out what to do, the family photos and little memorabilia that my mother had kept and my father had kept. I wrote my father a note when I was probably six, and she kept it. It's in the box. And I was so surprised when I came across it. I was adorable. <laughs> but I was seriously a different from a family perspective because, you know, I, I don't save pictures. I don't have my picture taken. I don't. I, I tend to streamline in strange places. So it really surprised me. It's, it's a family heirloom, I guess. I don't know. But it's one that I had written to my dad before he died. Sure. And he died very young. Yeah. yeah. I know you said, I know you said you, you didn't know your dad too much longer. He didn't live very much longer. He wasn't very uh, an old man when he passed away. He was not an old man when he passed away. He was quite a young man. So. You know that one thing eventually is to scan everything in, and that way you can spread it throughout the family eventually. Yes. Yes, you are so right on that one. Yeah. But obviously he had saved this because I had sent it to him. Wow. And, uh, and that was kind of cute. Do you remember writing the letter? I do. Ah. I do remember doing that. Wow. And I can tell you where I was, too. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I, you are an interesting person. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Enigmatic. Patricia and I got to sneak out the door. It's midnight. So you want to say good night oh, to the right. family? Oh, that's right. Oh, we're on our honor there. Yeah. You want to say good night to the okay. family? Okay. Good night, family. Thanks for being with us. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Good night, everybody. We all love you very, very much.
Jaws Professional, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, Skype Edit. Alt Tab, Skype Trade Escape. Alt F4, Patricia from FL Home, Alt F4. Alt Tab, Bill Bragg, Alt Tab, Sound 4, Escape, Escape, Enter, 0 point, Enter, 0 point, oh. Menu, File Menu, New A. N-O-N-D-A-Y-N-I-G-H-T 9-12-16-W-I-T-H-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A Save, Save, Enter, Data Window, 0.005 seconds 